You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to the AOA Radio Show. Today, we've got a lot coming on today's program. Yesterday, the commodity markets went wild. Wheat was locked, limit up most of the day. We're going to talk with Jim McCormick of agmarket.net about what he thinks could come next in these commodity markets. And then in segment two, Cam Quarrel, CEO of the National Potato Council, will join us. We're going to talk about the spud season so far, as well as what specialty crop producers are looking forward to in this next farm bill. And then in segment three, we're going to hear from Jesse Allen. It's a voice you've heard on this program before, and it's a voice you're going to be hearing more of here on AOA. We'll talk about that in segment three. Before we dive into all of that, however, let's take a look at what's moving in the markets. Prices are down in the grains a little bit today, but still up after the last two days of moves. Jim McCormick of agmarket.net joins us now. And Jim, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Hey, good morning, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Let's talk about yesterday's action, Jim. It seemed to be concentrated in the wheat trade, though corn and soybeans also saw a bit of a bounce. What happened yesterday in the wheat market? Plain and simple, Mike, we're having escalation of what's uh, with the conflict in Russia, between Russia and Ukraine. Remember, Mike, about a week ago, Russia pulled out of the grain corn deal. And you might remember a week ago Monday when that happened, the market actually sold off because the world said, you know what? We're still going to get the wheat out of the Ukraine. Then Russia midweek last week started essentially intensifying its attacks, started hitting the Odessa port, which is where a lot of the wheat from the Ukraine was coming out of. Then the market put a move higher last week when that happened. But the reality is, Mike, about half of the grain that comes out of Ukraine was going out of the Black Sea ports. A half of it was getting either railed out or going out through the uh, Danube River, roughly 25% each. Well, then over the weekend, Putin went after the Danube River terminals over the weekend, and that really kind of panicked the world buyers. So essentially, you know, he shut down the river market. He shut down the Black Sea region. So the only way they can now get grain out of the Ukraine to the world is through the rail system, which, you know, it just can't get the handle the capacity of the seaports can. And, uh, caused a little bit of panic in the world of end users. And the funds who are short Chicago Week got caught a little bit short as well. Well, they've got, they got caught short. And as you mentioned, a bit of a panic. I mean, as I take a look at the prices here, we've seen September Chicago wheat just in the past month, Jim, rally, oh, well, nearly a dollar here, almost a dollar. Are we done? Has the market adjusted to the drop in supplies coming out of the Black Sea, or could there still be more upside to move? I think there could be more because I, I think the market's still just waiting to see what the next shoe will be, you know, when the next shoe drops from Russia at this point in time. Now, the market's pulled back this morning. I think it's more of a, hey, there was no bombings overnight at this point in time. But this conflict looks like it probably could get worse, Mike, before it gets better. Russia's out there saying they are out of this deal. They do not want any part of it anymore. So I think you've got more to keep an eye on. The other thing we've got to keep an eye on the world is what's going on in India. India is banning the export of rice. So, you know, what are the two main groups that feed the people in the world? It's wheat and rice. So you've got a conflict where you're getting less rice out of India. Now you're getting less wheat and potentially corn. 
and you know, and um, soil out of Ukraine. You know, if your world importer has to buy food to feed your people, you're very, very nervous at the moment. So any negative news could freak the market out and drive it up even higher potentially. Well, and as we look ahead, uh, we've got plenty of growing season left in front of us. Jim, plenty of news for plenty of time, rather, for weather news to move the market. As you take a look at this corn crop out there right now, this uh, 23 crop December trading just shy of 560 in here. What do you think the trade is planning for a national yield at this stage in the game in corn? I would think right now most people are trading somewhere probably between a 172, 173 on the low end, maybe a 175 to 176 on the high end. So I think the crop will get a little bit smaller, Mike, but the reality is I think even when this crop does get smaller, the demand is still unfortunately massively overstated. They've got exports up 375 million bushels year on year. That just seems very fast, you know, just very, very unlikely, unfortunately. So what's going to happen? I believe this corn crop is going to get smaller the demand is going to be reduced at the same time. That'll keep this carry out over 2 billion bushels. And if you're at 2 billion bushel carry out, you're looking at stocks do somewhere around 14%. Historically, Mike, that is not 560 corn. That is sub $5 corn. So uh, if, if this market gets solidified and confident that crop is in the mid, you know, one, you know, 174, 175, let's say, I think you could see a pretty hard break into the fall, unfortunately. All right. Similar question, Jim, as you take a look at the soybean market here, we've seen a lot of action in soy products over this summer as well. Are the products being affected, soy oil being impacted by the tensions in the Black Sea? It's definitely being driven by it. Bean oil is up today. Bean oil is up sharply because now, mind you, Mike, um, the Ukraine doesn't produce a lot of beans, but they produce the record amount of sunflower oil. So if you can't get the oil out, you got to find a substitute. They're going to buy bean oil. The other thing you're catching in the products is we are seeing a really big build out over the next couple of years of renewable diesel, and that definitely has the speculators' trade in mind. The bean situation compared to the corn is a little bit different. With the lost acres on those beans, if this hot heat that we're seeing right now kind of expands into August and you lose a couple bushels off that bean crop, which I think could likely happen, if you don't ration demand out, your carryout would fall closer, below 100 million potentially. So this bean market could have one more push up if the market gets fearful that the bean yields just aren't there. Taking a look at where that bean market could go if it were to push up, Jim, we've got the November contract trading 1411 here today. It has been on an upward march since the beginning of June. How much higher could it run? What would you watch as the next level of resistance for that November contract? Right now, I think the next level of resistance could be right around that 1448 and a quarter level. That was the high made back there in the spring of 22, and I think that will be the target. Weather is going to be the key, and uh, you know that's where it can push it. Now, I think just like the corn, I think you do got to be a little bit cautious, folks. If you are a producer of beans and you're getting confident your beans are there, the higher we go, we are attempting to ration out demand, and there are some of our commercial contacts are suggesting that the government, just like in the corn, is overstating demand. Bean exports are being overstated as well. The higher the price goes, you're pushing bean demand away. You're encouraging production in South America. So in the long run, you know, supply-driven rallies, which is what this is, a supply shock rally, historically need to be sold and sold aggressively. All right. Good thoughts there, Jim. Before we let you go, we've got a Federal Reserve planning to come out tomorrow. Markets expecting an additional rate hike. Anything producers need to do ahead of that move from the Federal Reserve? Not really. I think a lot of this is dialed in right now. We're looking at a quarter point. I mean, the reality is you just got to do your math at this point in time because of the rate heights we've seen in the last year. Storing grain, cost of money, cost of storage is going to be a lot higher than it has been the last couple of years. So as producers are trying 
looking to figure out what they're doing with this corn and beans as they go into harvest. Now's the time to kind of plan ahead and figure what that storage cost is because it may be more economical to essentially move the grain right out of the field and paying storage fees and then maybe reowning it with options if you want to keep a bullish play in mind. So that's kind of what you want to look at, I think, uh, with this interest rate in mind. Lots to watch here as this summer moves ahead. These markets likely will continue to stay volatile. We'll continue to turn to our experts to get some solid advice. We've been talking today with Jim McCormick of agmarket.net. Jim, as always, thanks for joining us here on AOA. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Folks, stick around. We'll be talking with Cam Quarrel, CEO of the National Potato Council, here when AOA returns. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from across the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. The average American eats 250 eggs per year, which translates to a total annual consumption of 76.5 billion eggs in the U.S. About 60% of eggs produced here in the U.S. are used by consumers, and about 9% are used by the food service industry. A chef's hat is said to have a pleat for each of the many ways you can cook eggs. The color can range from white to deep brown. Hens with white feathers and earlobes lay white-shelled eggs, while hens with red feathers and earlobes lay brown-shelled eggs. Because breeds that lay brown eggs are typically slightly larger birds, they require more food, making brown eggs usually more expensive than white. You can tell whether an egg is fresh or stale by dropping it in water. A fresh egg will sink, but a stale one will float. Eggs also contain all the essential protein, minerals, and vitamins, and egg yolks are one of the few foods that naturally contain vitamin D. And eggs are also good for your eyes because they contain lutein, which helps prevent age-related cataracts and muscle degeneration. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. Why do you listen? You get the local news and the uh, weather is up to date all the time. Oh, I love sports. It's good to hear what's going on because you can't make it to all the games. I listen from 8 o'clock in the morning to 6 o'clock at night. It moves with me. It's portable. It goes with me. It's in my car. I can find my mood. I can flip through stations up and down the dial. There's always something that's talking to me. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP. 
so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. AOA continues today, and we're turning our focus back to Washington, D.C. Of course, 2023 is a farm bill year. Commodity groups have been active this summer and advocating for their priorities ahead of that big package of legislation and that's certainly the case for the specialty crop producers and potato growers as well. Joining us now for an update on that industry is Cam Quarles. He serves as CEO of the National Potato Council. And Cam, thanks for joining us on AOA today. Hey, Mike. Great to talk to you as always. Before we get to talking policy and what all's happening in D.C., Cam, let's talk about what's happening here across the country. How does the potato crop look so far this year after really kind of a challenging spring for a lot of growers? Yeah, I think, you know, harvest is just kicking off uh, across the country. And I, I think overall folks are fairly optimistic that uh, uh, things things are going to be a fairly high quality crop for this year. You know, we've always got weather related challenges. A lot of those are, are regional. Um, but I, I, I think folks are optimistic that we're, we're, uh, we're going to have a, a very solid crop for the coming year. Well, that is always good to hear as those producers work to get harvest completed. Cam, how are prices holding up throughout the potato sector? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we've we've had, um, uh, we were coming out of a year where we had a comparatively smaller uh, crop overall. Uh, that held prices up um, fair, fairly well. Um, you know, it, it's it's hard to speculate where they're going to be for the coming year, but you know, our our, our folks are going to control what they they're going to control, and the marketplace is going to do its thing too. So we're, you know, we're right now the the harvest out uh, it's beginning in Washington State is going to move across the country, and I I, I think we're uh, overall we're fairly optimistic about what's what's coming for the year ahead. Well, that is definitely good news, Cam. As, as you think about the industry, of course, there are several issues that potato growers have been working with for quite some time, not least of which are disease concerns from north of the border. Can you fill us in a little bit on what's happening with the Prince Edward Island potato wart up in Canada? Yeah, I, I can. And, that, you know, it's been a difficult issue. We've talked about it a number of times over the past couple of years. That's one of those issues that can really affect prices, supply, all of those kinds of things, Mike. Um, so, just very brief history. So uh, the, this pr major production area in Canada, Prince Edward Island, has one of the worst diseases that you can have for potato production. Uh, it's called potato wart. Uh, they've been dealing with it for a number of years. Uh, it, it started to expand. Um, we started to have more disease fines up there uh, about three years ago. Uh, it got into their seed supply two years ago, and that resulted in APHIS shutting the border for a, a, a short period of time. The, um, the, the border has 
has reopened except for seed potatoes from Prince Edward Island because seed is such a vector for a disease. If you get it in your seed supply, it can go everywhere. Um, so seed can't move into the U.S., can't move into other provinces in Canada, but we do have a lot of Prince Edward Island potatoes moving into the United States. Since the border opened, USDA APHIS came out with a big report and said, look, here's all the ways that this terrible disease can get into the U.S. And our industry looked at that, and we think that the science surrounding that report is accurate. However, the import protocol that APHIS regulates, that over, they oversee, hasn't changed. And what we want to see from the U.S. side is them shore up those pathways, plug those holes where a disease can get in um, to make sure that we don't jeopardize what is a multi, it's really, it's $100 billion a year as the potato industry contributes to the U.S. economy. We don't want to see that jeopardized. We don't want to lose export markets, all the things, all the horrible things that can come if this disease gets established in the U.S. It's not here now, and we don't want it. Cam, is APHIS being responsive to the industry's concern? Are we starting to see efforts made to close some of those loopholes they've identified? Well, we're waiting to see, Mike. It's been uh, over a year um, since the border reopened. It's been uh, about eight months, uh, nine months since that report came out. Uh, haven't seen any changes in the import protocol. Uh, we've been pushing on them. Members of Congress have been pushing on them. Uh, it, you know, clearly, it, it's it, you know, we we don't want to view this as a ticking time bomb. But you know, there, as the volumes come across every single day, um, the the risk is there. As APHIS's own report. I identifies. Cam, let's talk about some of the work that's happening in Washington, D.C. with the other branches of government. I know you have been active up on Capitol Hill recently talking to the leaders in the House and Senate Ag Committee. So I'm going to ask you a big question right off the top. Do they still think we can get a farm bill done by the end of September? Uh, I think they're everything that they can do that's under their control. The leaders of both the House and the Senate, they're doing. Um, However, to answer your question, getting it across both floors and to the president's desk is not under their control. Um, clearly, the time is running short. I think we're very likely to see a markup uh, uh, of farm bills in the respective uh, sides of Congress in September. Uh, whether or not they can reconcile those different bills and whether or not they can pass them across their respective floors, reconcile the bills, get them to the president's desk, a lot of that they just can't control. It's things we can't control either. So uh, we're, we're, we're trying to focus on, on uh, things, on our ability to move the ball right now. That makes sense, Cam. Of course, not only are you CEO of the National Potato Council, you're one of the co-chairs of the Specialty Crop Farm Bill Alliance. From specialty crop producers' perspectives, anything you'd like to see in the farm bill this year, you're pushing extra hard on ahead of the August recess. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've got some fantastic programs that have underpinned this industry over the, the two decades that the Farm Bill Alliance has been in existence. Again, specialty crops, 50% of U.S. farm gate value, but they're really a rounding error in the Farm Bill. We, we're, we're changing that incrementally. New things beyond all of our great programs like export promotion, uh, nutrition, uh, specialty crop block grants, research, all of those fundamental things. Uh, new things for this year, we really want to enhance crop insurance to better serve specialty crops. Very challenging thing to do. Uh, you've got 300 different commodities hanging under the specialty crop umbrella, um, but 
we we really feel like some some changes in how the safety net is is constructed can yield exponentially uh, benef- exponential ben- benefits for the specialty crop industry over what we see today. Second thing, Mike, is we really want to focus on encouraging mechanization in the specialty crop sector. You're aware of all the challenges with ag labor. Uh, we're, we're assuming that our very valuable ag labor force is likely not to get much bigger in the future, given the stalemate in Congress. So we want to provide them with the tools through mechanization, automation, AI, all those things, uh, in order to do their jobs more safely, more efficiently um, for the long term. That makes sense. I know I know specialty crop producers aren't the only ones looking at uh, maximizing mechanization to cut back on their labor needs. Cam, while we've got you on the line, you are very connected to the world of Washington, D.C. I know you've interacted with legislators and regulators for quite some time. I'm curious about some of the ag appropriations that are floating around now, the 2024 uh, fiscal uh, ag appropriations funding. What are you seeing in that bill that, that either has you excited or optimistic or concerned? Yeah, I, so uh, you know, you mentioned the end of September. Uh, if if the there there there, it's not an immediate impact on October first. Not a great outcome, but not an immediate impact. If you don't get the appropriations bills though done that you asked about, though, Mike, um, bad things happen uh, the very next day uh, in terms of government shutdown, USDA activities, a variety of things that impact farmers. Uh, we're really pushing hard to make sure that they either get a full funding bill uh, for fiscal year 24, which begins August 1st, or they are able to do a continuing resolution that makes sure that all of the important things that USDA and the other agencies do to support agriculture can continue to get done. I'll tell you about a couple of things that really concern us, though. As the House is considering a bill uh, in their they're anticipated to consider a bill on the House floor on Thursday. Uh, one of the amendments would shut down all of the checkoff programs that serve American agriculture. Um, that would be every commodity that has a federal marketing order. It would stop its activities if that bill is if that amendment is accepted into the House Agricultural Appropriations Bill and it goes to the president's desk for signature. We obviously don't want to have that happen highly destructive. All of the research, market development, both internationally and domestically, would stop. Highly destructive. Um, another thing is, and you know, we're, we, we live in Washington, Mike, and there's a lot of ideas coming out of Washington, D.C. Some of them are good. Um, this one is not a good one. Um, there also is an amendment to limit potato access to the school breakfast programs. Think about how difficult it is for school meals professionals to construct a a breakfast that kids are going to want to eat if you don't have potatoes, at least as an option one of those days in in some of those days a week in the school breakfast programs. That's a great point, folks. That's Cam Quarrel, CEO of the National Potato Council. Thanks for joining us. Stick around. More AOA when we return. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA agriculture of america don't go away more aoa coming right up join us every tuesday for around the table brought to you by chs as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities each week we'll chat with voices from across the cooperative system from global market access to local expertise we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities 
Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Well, let's take a look at what's going on in the market trade here on this Tuesday. Grain starting lower in the overnight session and so far on Tuesday's morning trade, although we are clawing off the lows in the corn market. That started to put a little pressure on the cattle markets, which did open higher to start off the day Tuesday. Overall, though, a bit of a uh, down start to the session as there's a a few headwinds out there for the grain and oilseed commodities, mainly a quieter night in Ukraine. We've been putting some risk premium back in the markets due to the increased tensions between Russia and Ukraine and Russia's attacks on grain terminals uh, in Odessa as well as Danube Riverport terminals as well. Crude oil going through the 200-day moving average yesterday, pulling back a little bit here today. We're also seeing higher interest rates, a stronger dollar. All of that is uh, creating some headwinds here for the grains. Federal Reserve began its two-day meeting here today to discuss potential changes in its monetary policy. The market's convinced that the Fed's going to bump its benchmark interest rate another 25 basis points higher tomorrow afternoon, and that is starting to get factored into this trade overall. Now, with the grains, uh, again, uh, mostly lower hot weather, another big factor here across much of the western corn belt this week. We're going to be watching the extreme heat. How long does it last? Does anyone get some rains out of the ridge-riding thunderstorms? What are we going to be looking at here for potential issues with the crop coming from this heat? That remains to be seen, but overall, the markets are moderately lower in grains. Meantime, hogs triple digits higher in the front months here. Cold storage report is out Tuesday. Also, cattle trade is a bit mixed. This is AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma. Not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility. Independence changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. 
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. AOA continues today, and we've got an announcement to make. The show will be changing here as we get into the very beginning parts of August. There will be a new host, a new voice sitting in this chair as AOA continues. We'll talk to that new host, get some details from that new voice right after this. Last week, over 200 corn growers, members of the National Corn Growers Association, traveled to Washington, D.C. for their Corn Congress, their opportunity to engage and tell the story of agriculture to a wider audience. We spoke with Denny Vinacotter about why this is so important. Well, we are such a small percentage of the population, and a lot of people, even back home, don't quite understand what's all going on. And, uh, and we come to the Hill to try to express that to our legislators and representatives and that because they don't quite sometimes understand what's affecting us back on the farm. Corn growers went up on Capitol Hill to visit with their legislators and ethanol and crop insurance were certainly top of mind. Brooke Appleton, Vice President of Policy at the National Corn Growers Association, reminded us that a farm bill year is a great time to advocate for rural America more broadly. Think about rural development, research, rural broadband, things that are also kind of included in the Farm Bill but maybe don't get as much attention as some of the bigger pieces. Learn more about the work of the National Corn Growers at ncga.org. Well, folks, welcome back. I'm Mike Pearson. It has been an honor for me to host AOA for almost the last two years. I've met a lot of fantastic people. I've heard from some incredible listeners, and I've learned a lot about the industry of agriculture. However, I recently accepted a position with a different media enterprise here in the world of agriculture. So AOA will be greeting a new host. It's a voice you've heard before on the program, and it's a voice you're going to hear a lot more of. Beginning next Monday, August 31st, Jesse Allen will be the new host of the Agriculture of America radio show. Jesse joins me now. Mr. Allen, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on AOA Today. Well, Mike, I appreciate the invite and uh, happy to uh, happy to be with you. And, and also slightly, slightly sad that you and I aren't going to be working together anymore just uh you know it taking us a long time to actually work together and then and now you're leaving but i am very excited for uh for you and and your opportunity as well uh moving forward mike so uh bittersweet i guess is the word to uh to use here today i think mike Indeed it is. Folks, as Jesse alluded to there, he and I have been working together under the umbrella of the American Ag Network for the past two years, but he and I have known each other. We've worked together for nearly a decade. Jesse, mm -hmm. if you would, for our audience who, who maybe is tuning in, perhaps this is their first AOA and they haven't heard you on before, fill us in on a little bit of the Jesse Allen story. Sir, where did you grow up? Where do you call home? So I, I grew up uh, in north central Iowa and a small farming community, Marble Rock, Iowa, Floyd County, just uh, just southwest of Charles City, you know, the Mason City area, and grew up, I mean, town of 100 people, much like you, Mike. I know you grew up in south central Iowa, and so um, it's kind of interesting how our paths, you know, have correlated, and I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, I always like to share that story, but no, I grew up uh, youngest of three in small farming community. You, you're pretty much surrounded by agriculture. You know a lot about it, what's going on, and uh, grew up, went to Simpson College and ended up studying journalism and broadcast, took a uh, role at uh, my hometown stations in, in Mason City, Iowa, after I graduated college and spent about uh, nine, 10 years there as a 
farm director at KGLO and then as uh, the morning host and the program director for the country station, the uh, the wonderful country moose, as they call it. And um, segued out of that, moved to Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I'm also a songwriter and producer on the side. That's kind of uh, my two loves are farm broadcasting and, and music. Um, moved down here in 2020, ended up starting the Market Talk podcast, which is now a syndicated show, the uh, the sister program to AOA, so to speak, and uh, partnered with the American Ag Network and been working for them here since 2020 and uh, met my wife here in Nashville, just got married a few months ago, and you know, it's been a, a, a whirlwind ride. But I, I will say this, the funny thing, and, and Mike will attest to this story as well, the two of us, we both got our start in farm broadcasting because of Mike's dad, didn't we, Mike? We did indeed, folks. For those of you who maybe aren't familiar, I got my start in farm broadcasting after my dad, uh, the legendary Mark Pearson, passed away on the farm in 2012. It was very sudden. He'd had a heart attack after cutting mulberries out of fence lines. It's uh, not a bad way to go when you love the farm, but it created some openings. It created a, a host position at Market to Market that I had the opportunity to jump into, and that's what started my career. Jesse, fill us in. How did that event move your career forward? Well, I mentioned I started at KGLO in Mason City, Iowa. Well, the farm director who was there, uh, who was uh, consequently still a good friend of mine, moved to uh, WHO in Des Moines to take your dad's position on the radio there. And then, lo and behold, that opened up the door for me in Mason City. And so through the years that's kind of how you and i have been connected and then we both met uh, as being in media in iowa and became friends and started you know talking and kind of coordinating together a little bit working together and then you know lo and behold we're just kind of paths crossing back and forth and then you know we ended up together here at the american ag network and AOA for a couple of years and i just i always i always think that that's a, an interesting story just how um, you know, your dad, it led to the two of us, uh, both getting a start in farm broadcasting. So absolutely. I mean, the industry of agriculture, despite its size, despite the massive contributions it makes to the American economy each and every year, the industry itself is surprisingly small. And it's amazing how many mm -hmm. times your paths can cross with the experts in that industry. Jesse, while we've got you, you touched on growing up in Marble Rock, North Central Iowa. It's a small farm town. It's surrounded by agriculture. But you got into broadcasting. What was it about broadcasting that appealed to you and made you think, gosh, that's someplace I'd want to spend my career? You know, it's uh, it's funny. I uh, grew up and I would you know, not sleep at night as a little three, four-year-old baby uh, boy. And instead, I would stay up on the couch and watch Connie Chung on CNN. I don't know why I uh, was just fixated by that uh, and really just I, I watched the news. I, I grew up watching the news and I, I think something in the back of my mind uh, when I got to college said, oh, hey, you know what? That would be a, a great career path and whatnot. And I've always had the, you know, with the music side performing and everything else. And I was like, hey, I can use my voice and you know, kind of be a part of broadcasting. Well, farm broadcasting wasn't necessarily on my radar, even though I, I had a little knowledge of agriculture, obviously. 
And just with that opening, uh, after some internships and taking that spot at KGLO, I learned a lot. And I just, I, I fell in love with telling the story of agriculture. Whether I'm talking the markets, weather, ag policy, et cetera, I just, I, I fell in love with this industry. And to your point, Mike, just the people that you meet and the paths that you cross and uh, the the great relationships that you form. And I, I've just, I found a love for for telling the story of agriculture and, and making sure that people are well aware of the amazing things that our farmers and ranchers do day in and day out, Mike. And there are some truly amazing things taking place across this country. Jesse, you'll be sitting behind the host's microphone next Monday, starting August 31st. As you look out, do you anticipate changing AOA in any way? What should the audience know as they prepare to stick around for more Jesse Allen next week? You know, I, I just, I, I hope to continue uh, what you've built and what Mike Adams has built before you as well here with, with AOA and having those important conversations for rural America and, and keeping folks informed on the issues, uh, talking about everything that's going on in Washington, D.C. Obviously, we got a farm bill that we're trying to get done right now. That is a hot topic. Some of the regulatory issues and talking with all the various commodity groups and organizations and keeping folks informed on what's happening in these volatile markets and what's going on with the weather. It's just, I, I look forward to continuing those discussions. I don't anticipate that I'm going to be changing a bunch of things because I really admire what you and, and what Mike Adams before you have laid out here on this show. And I think it's a testament to just the great work that, that you've both done here that I, I don't plan on changing much. I just want to keep having these back and forth, open conversations, and, and maybe you know, making folks think just a, a little bit, think critically about some of these issues that impact rural America, Mike. That's a great point, Jesse. There's going to be a lot to think about as this industry moves to the future. So you will be hosting AOA, but listeners will still be able to hear you behind the microphone on Market Talk. Is that correct? Where can that they keep up to speed with it? That is correct as well. I'll be doing market talk in the afternoon, a, a much more markets and analysis focused program that we've been doing now. And uh, markettalkag.com is a great place to start for that. You can find a list of uh, our affiliates, some of the same great affiliates we have for AOA or podcast um, videos on, on YouTube. We post those each and every weekday as well. So uh, I no doubt we'll be busy with AOA and then uh, Market Talk as well, but uh, I'm looking forward to the challenge, Mike. It is a challenge, but Jesse, as one host talking to another, I can tell you it is a fantastically rewarding challenge. I have learned so much from our guests and from our audience over the past two years. I think you are going to enjoy it tremendously. Folks, yeah. give a big welcome to Jesse Allen as he takes over hosting duties on AOA next Monday, August 31st. Jesse, I wish you the best of luck as this show moves ahead. Mike, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. And I know you won't be a stranger. We'll talk to you soon. Fantastic. Folks, leave it here. We're going to talk to the owner of AOA, Mr. Lance Knutson, when we return. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise, 
Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and a feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve, together we can make a difference bite by bite. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. Today, we're talking with Zach St. Aubin, a refined fuel specialist with CHS Transportation and Logistics, about how farmers can protect their operations from market shifts and dips to secure a steady fuel supply. Zach, what can producers do to safeguard some of their operation from these risks that are out there? Great question. I would highly suggest taking a look at your on-site bulk fuel tank storage and determine if making an investment would be worthwhile. Ensuring that you have adequate bulk storage on your operation can ensure that you're stocked up through the busiest and priciest seasons. This may leave you wondering or questioning how much storage is enough to remain efficient and reduce the possibility of running out of fuel during those peak demand timeframes. A recommendation that, that we make here is to have four days of storage capacity during your busiest timeframes. Another great opportunity to get ahead of some of these challenges is to contact your local cooperative and see if they offer a tank monitoring program or also if they offer the automated fuel delivery program. Uh, which is a partnership with CHS. Zach, can you tell us a little bit more? What is the Automated Fuel Delivery Program? CHS and your local cooperative is committed to helping you keep your operation running smoothly and by doing so, monitoring your bulk fuel tank allows your cooperative to ensure that you have fuel supply on hand during your peak demand timeframe, such as spring planting or fall harvest, reducing any possibility of downtime in your operation. Not only that, Mike, but it also reduces the amount of time checking your fuel gauge, making a phone call to your local cooperative to place a fuel order, and then having to wait for that fuel to be delivered. So, I mean, there's a lot of steps that could be prevented by having monitors installed on your tank and just having that fuel automatically delivered, alleviating a lot of those steps in the process. I would recommend if you do have any questions regarding automated fuel delivery or tank monitoring programs locally at your co-op, I would suggest contacting your local co-op to discuss those options with them. That's Zach St. Aubin, refined fuel specialist with CHS. Zach, thanks for joining us this week. Thanks, Mike. Really appreciate it. And thank you for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of cooperative ownership at cooperativeownership.com. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work 
by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Gentlemen, AOA continues here on this Tuesday, July 25th. I'm intentionally saying the day there because this is my last AOA. And folks, if I'm being really honest, it is a very bittersweet feeling. I have enjoyed tremendously my time, both with the professionals at AOA and at the American Ag Network and with everybody who has gone and offered me support, helped make this show successful. And a large part of that success, of course, wouldn't be possible without the man who helped create this show. About seven years ago, Hall of Fame broadcaster Mike Adams and Lance Knutson, the owner of the American Ag Network, got together and came up with the idea for Adams on Agriculture, which became Agriculture of America. Joining us now is Lance Knutson. Lance, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Well, thanks, Mike. And it is bittersweet, you know, and I, I always applaud people, though, you know, I'm never sad for someone uh, who's, who's, you know, going to make the next step. You've got a great opportunity in front of, me, front of you. You're a great person. And, you know, I always love these, these deals when, when we leave on a positive and we're all still friends. Most of the time when people, when people end parting with each, with each other, they, it ends up in a negative way. And I've been so fortunate that, you know, Mike Adams, yourself, Mike Adams still helps us. He's going to be on the rest of the week. That we still have this great positive relationship because uh, we, we, we have the most important thing in, in our minds is the farmers and ranchers and the content we deliver to these folks. Lance, that's the thing. There is a lot of outlets for news, particularly aimed at the ag audience. When you and Mike Adams were sitting down and thinking about the idea of putting together an ag talk show, how did you want AOA to be different from the rest of the crowd? What did you think we could bring to the table that other folks just weren't doing maybe as well? Well, number one is content. Um, I didn't want to, and it, you know, I don't want to waste people's time. Farmers and ranchers, I'm a farmer myself. We're so busy. Try and get us good content, not this joking around uh, kind of BS that happens. If you want that type of entertainment, uh, you know, tune into the fan or something. Um, I want to just serious, hardcore content. Uh, hopefully it's it's uh, been, you know, um, advantageous for farmers and ranchers to listen. And, and that's what Mike and I decided, you know, just – we want to make sure that we're almost always, except maybe on holidays, you know, bringing content that will change somebody's life or make a difference or make them think. And the other thing was, is, um, you know, Mike wanted someone who wasn't going to micromanage him or have a corporate ladder over his head, and, and I don't do that, um, uh, you know. And, and that really has made the show a success because, you know, you, you guys that have been doing this for so long, I don't, 
you know, you know what to do. You know what to deliver. And uh, professionals like you, Mike, and, and our upcoming Jesse uh, Allen here, um, it, it's just going to be another amazing run. I think you're exactly right. I think Jesse is a great voice to take this show to the next level. And Lance, as we think about that next level, you mentioned you're a farmer yourself. You're up there in the Red River Valley of the North. You've got volatile weather. You're confronting issues of politics and policy. And as you look at your farm operation and look out to the future, what are the issues you think farmers really need to keep their eye on? Well, you know, the one that probably some of the one that bothers me the most is is the overreach of, uh, you know, this administration with, and I don't want to get into politics because they all do it, but right now the current one, uh, you know, the overreach with the EPA, uh, um, you know, just the government not, if they're not going to do enough for us, then stay out of the way because we are good stewards of the land, uh, whether it be livestock people or regular farmers. And, um, you know, we don't need all this overreach and be told what to do by people who don't have any idea what it's like to be out in rural America. And uh, the overreach by several bodies of this administration is very frustrating. Um, you know, we couldn't even begin to electrify this countryside out here where I live. I couldn't possibly put the power in the field to uh, serve, farm, to serve uh, the consumers we need to feed every day in this world. Absolutely. And, and these changes are coming quick and they're coming fast from D.C. But in spite of all of that, Lance, in spite of some of the, the threats for the industry that look ahead, I've got to imagine you're still pretty excited to be involved in this industry. And I bet you think it uh, future looks pretty bright for Ag, doesn't it? Well, you know what? Um, th that's it is exciting time because, you know, there are a lot of great opportunities. You know, we're, we're we just got to produce more food, and, uh, you know, prices are indicating that. Look at soybeans. Uh, you know, uh, the cattle industry has been strong. And, um, you know, there are, even though there's some tough challenges ahead with different administrations as we go uh, and bureaucrats, but there's also a lot of good. This is a good way of life. Uh, this is, a um, um, you know, something I'm proud to do every day. And, um, you know, we're, we're eternal optimists as farmers. And, um, you know, people like you keep delivering this message for us. Mike is outstanding, and I know you're going to do a great job in, in your new venture on TV, and uh, I look to partner with you on some things. I, I hope that'll work out well, and, um, you know, it is a sad day, though, but, um, but also it's a great day because, uh, you know, we've got a great new guy coming on board who most people already know, and, uh, and you're going to have a great career, hopefully, uh, over there um, with Farm Progress. Hopefully, indeed, Lance. That's always the goal. As you think about, you know, Jesse, he's he's a new face. He's out there. He's been around the industry for 10 years. But of course, folks like to get to know people. Lance, I understand you're going to have the opportunity. You'll be taking AOA, Market Talk, some of those shows on the road. Lance, or, or excuse me, Jesse will be at Dakota Fest and at the Farm Progress show later on this summer. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And, you know, we're going to do what we've always do. Nothing's going to change with this show. We're going to stay strong content uh, on content. And, um, you know, it's just going to be a new person delivering the message. And uh, if anybody's listened to Jesse, he's he's really in-depth. Um, he uh, He's going to deliver a good message and the, and the right content. And, you know, really nothing's going to change. We're going to be at these shows and we're going to be with our constituents and, and our farmers and ranchers and and we just hope people um, keep appreciating the hard work that uh, guys like you do and Jesse. And Jesse's a, a great, great addition. And being he's already got this um, experience um, uh, with Market Talk, he, he knows how to do these shows. He's been interviewing people for many years. And then uh, don't forget, you know, he's a, he's a recording artist, too. And uh, so uh, you got, got to give him a little plug there, too, you know. He's, Absolutely. Uh, he's he is a crowd. 
He's a multi-talent threat, folks. He will get started July 31st. That's next Monday. Lance Knutson, owner of AOA. Lance, thank you for the opportunity to host this show. Thank you for everything I've learned over the past few years. Audience, thanks for tuning in. Continue to give Jesse your ear. There's more coming in the world of agriculture. Mike Adams will host for the next three days. Be sure to tune in. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Tune in the first Wednesday of every month to listen to the monthly grind here on AOA. It's brought to you by our friends at the National Corn Growers Association, and each month we're going to dig into one specific aspect of corn demand. What happens to this grain after it leaves your operations and enters the global supply chain? That's what we're going to talk about each month on the monthly grind. Again, that's the first Wednesday of every month, and you can also find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It's a show you don't want to miss. I've been farming my whole life. I don't need somebody to come out here and state the obvious. I don't need anybody to explain my farm to me. My local co-op works with CHS, and they know what I need when I need it. A global network of support. Local expertise. And valuable market options. We need a co-op that's here for us. So we can own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org.